0: Welcome to an emergency version of Gimme Shelter. Again, with the Unnecessary Sirens, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. Um, Those sound effects were coming from. Liam Dillon with the LA Times. And I am Matt Levin, data journalist with CalMatters. And today on the podcast, the SB 827
1: postmortem The Bill is Dead. Is dead. Ob- this is obit time, man. Mm-hmm. This, this is why we have an emergency. We we hear, You know, the au- you, the audience, really wanted to know what what happened, and we're we're here to to deliver that for you. So S-
0: so we'll, here we are. It is because this is an emergency podcast. It will just be Le- uh, Liam and I. Um, we will be. We were both in attendance at the hearing. We'll kind of be uh, setting the stage of of what happened, what it was like in
1: the room. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, um it, well just a step back before we get quite to the to the hearing, sure. I mean uh so we'll set the scene let's set the scene for everybody. Senate Bill eight twenty seven, uh, legislation authored by uh, Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco and what it would do uh, in its ending form, um would have uh, increased uh um, uh, uh, zoned building heights, so sort of allowable building uh, within between a quarter to a half mile uh, of transit stops, so rail and ferries in particular, um, and allowed for uh, four- to five-story buildings there. So basically no more single-family zoning near rail stops in all of California. That, yes. uh, that was sort of the primary thing. Had a number of other provisions uh, related to parking, so no more minimum parking requirements, uh, and, that are, and that also um, uh, would have affected uh, areas surrounding certain sort of high-frequency bus stops, uh, and they were the, the so that's sort of the main provisions. And when this was first introduced back in January, it exploded. I mean, this was like the biggest housing legislation story in the country. Yes, um, and it I, went, er- went everywhere.
0: And I don't think um, uh, Scott Wiener anticipated that, nor the sponsors of the bill anticipated that. But the scope of the bill and how it would actually affect cities – you know, arguably warranted that amount of coverage, right? So before, you know, some of the more recent amendments were put in, um, you know, this would have affected over 90% of San Francisco um, and 50% of single family homes in LA. Now that changed after some of the more recent amendments, but it does give you an idea of um, the scope of the bill. It really could have fundamentally changed zoning um, across major urban centers in California.
1: Right, and what it was trying to do was attack two of sort of California's biggest problems at the same time, uh, one being a tremendous shortage of, uh, of homes. Um, the, Senator Weiner continually says the number is about four million uh, homes that were short to yeah. help uh, sort of keep pace with affordability and, and bring some of the costs down. Uh, and then the second challenge, of course, is the state's climate change goals. We have very ambitious goals that to uh, reduce greenhouse gas greenhouse gas emissions by 40% below 1990 levels by 2030 uh, everyone uh, state regulators have included have conclu- have, uh, have concluded that the only way you can really do that despite how many electric cars you get put the you get out road of your and- cars
0: californians cuz the right. new
1: york times tells you to do it right get out of your car out of your car, and you have to live near transit, and that's you know, no matter if a car is electric or not, you, you need to do that in order to meet these climate change goals. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, trying to sort of and hit the, the the two of the biggest states the states problems uh, uh, with sort of one fell swoop.
0: Two birds, one
1: stone. Uh, yeah,
0: and I this is probably a good opportunity to point out we. we I mean, one indication of how big this bill gotten is this is the third podcast we've we've devoted to sp 827 in a matter of, what, two and a half months? Right, um, and this is
1: not the way things go up here no, at the Capitol. I mean, the, the way no. things work is you introduce a bill, and then there's sort of, you know, wow, if it's a big one, it sort of puts it on the scene. But then there's not a lot of more done until um, – or more talked about until you get to a committee hearing because that's when you sort of see whatever final – Final version, or begin to sort of shape a final version of what the bill might look like, and also you see whether it has a chance of, of kind of li, you know living or dying, or get, get to work through the process. And that's not what happened here. I mean, we have, the bill itself also went through um, sort of two very substantive revisions yes, yes. Um, before it even got to a committee hearing, which also is sort of pretty rare. And I think that's that was sort of. Uh, uh, necessary, given the amount of attention that the bill got from very many, very many sides of this debate.
0: And if you really, really want to dig into some of the specifics of the bill, especially in different parts of its um, abbreviated life cycle, uh, I recommend you listen to two of the podcasts we've already done, one that focuses on the environmental element and then one on one that focuses on um, uh, some of its impact in uh, communities of color and low income communities. Um, So let's 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 go to the hearing. Let's um, go to the hearing. So, what time did you get there? You were there no, before got, me this time. I,
1: I got there early because I wasn't sure. Because you mentioned the Costa Hopkins hearing, and that was the that was the the hearing that would have um, repealed a state law that uh, that uh, would have allowed then for significant in, uh, increases in rent control around the state. Um, and that was, I mean, that was bananas. I mean, it was literally like lines out the door of the Capitol to get in to, for people to hear this hear this debate. And so, I knew it wasn't going to be like that at all. Um, but I figured it might be pretty busy. And it was a filled committee room, but not—I no, mean, you, no. I think you said it was, what, one one-thousandth of the attention that Costa-Hawkins that Costa hearing got?
0: Yes, it was. it's a very precise estimate. Um, yeah. Yes. I, so, you know, a well-attended—like you said, a well-attended committee room, yeah. um, not bursting at the seams by any means. Um, and the, the general kind of, you know, vibe, um, which is, uh, you know, also a very specific, measurable, scientific thing— was I think it was a relatively polite hearing, right? Like both, you know, in the discourse of the legislators, but also in the discourse of public comment for the most part.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of hissing, a little, little bit, bit of clapping, you know, uh, but nothing like you know. The kind of in fact, stuff. In, in fact, there was a hearing at, on on public safety. I was in in that exact room earlier in the day. That was much more raucous. It was just, you know about about police um, discipline issues, and that was much more raucous than we got um, at, you know later in the day. I will say though, I felt there was a good, I felt a good bit of tension in there, um, and I think that was yes. appropriate, to sort of given the stakes, because everyone knew this was sort of a do or die moment for the legislation.
0: And I. Uh, I would say that the 827 opposition had more numbers there than supporters. Would you yeah. agree with that? That's true. Yes,
1: including um, as we will soon discuss on the uh, every you city know, in California, <laughs> uh, you know, among the legislators themselves. Oh yes, so, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um,
0: all right. Uh, so that's that's kind of what the what the feeling was like in the room. Um, let's get to the actual uh, discussion among the legislators and the the vote itself. So yeah. I, I like the way you kind of suggested we frame this. Um, what was expected from the hearing that actually happened and what wasn't expected from the hearing that happened? Which, which of those do you want to pursue
1: first? Let's sort of start with what was expected because I think that will allow right. us to kind of go through um, what happened. And so, yes. you know, as these, as these capital hearings go, what happens is the, the bill's author introduces, you know, the legislation... Uh, then there's some sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of back and forth with the legislators, but they general, legislators generally tend to reserve their comments for the end once there's some sort of public comment on, on both sides, mm-hmm. and then people get up to a microphone and say, I like this bill or I hate this bill, right? That was all sort of going... Um, are going uh, as expected, and, and you know, and then we get to the, the point where the legislators are going to signal which way they're going to vote. And sort of one by one, we saw Democrats, and remember Scott Wiener is a Democrat, uh, saying no. You yep. know, we started with uh, Senator Richard Ross um, from Riverside, uh, and he's like, uh, you know, I don't like this, and then we go to, to um, Senator Bill Dodd from Napa, uh, I don't like this either. Well, they,
0: they yeah. I mean, it, they were not so immediately explicit in saying I don't like it. I, all of the yeah. legislators, and I think, I mean, this happens with a ton of bills. Exactly. But, but I do think a lot of this was actually sincere, that there was a level of appreciation for Weiner personally. Um, but then also, you know, a, a few of the legislators who voted against it, you know, said basically this this type of audacity, like this type of boldness is right. is should be in the ballpark of consideration. And then they voted against it. So exactly. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, w- well, what did you make of that? It was that purely window dressing or did you think there was something to it? I thought there was something uh, I thought
1: there was something to it. Yeah, so the compliment sandwich um, is very common, uh, <laughs> particularly yes. when particularly when lawmakers are, g- are going to vote to kill a bill, right? Yes. Um, and So I wasn't necessarily surprised to see that, but I think I do think you're right. I mean, among these hearings that go to, there was a lot of of. More this this felt a little bit more sincere than the sort of typical compliments exactly. that you get. Um, you get, but that said, you know, everyone's saying, "Oh, I really like this," or ideas or ideas in this, and 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 you know, maybe we need something this bold. But then again, particularly Democrat after Democrat saying no, I think is a reflection of something that's sort of uh, 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 very well established in the capital, which is that you rarely vote. Against the wishes of the chairman or chairperson of a particular committee, yes, and and in this case, the the, the there's sort of two in this case because it had this bill advanced yesterday, it would have, or I'm sorry, had this bill advanced on Tuesday, it would have then gone next week to to, to another committee, um, the, the Senate um, Government and Finance Committee, and the bill the bill died in the Transportation and Housing Committee, mm-hmm. and that was Senator Mike McGuire um, is the head of that committee, mm-hmm. the, 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 who represents the, Marin the, County. Yeah, from Marin County, and, and the committee yesterday, or the committee again on Tuesday where the bill died, is, was led by Senator Jim Bell of San Jose, and so they were sort of both very much opposed. Um, and so, again, as it works in Sacramento, um, you very rarely, if you're a regular committee member, um, want to do something that goes against the will of the chair uh, people, person, or people uh, of that committee. And so it was pretty clear and has been clear for a little while that both Bell and McGuire did not like this bill um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, were not able to come to an agreement with, with Wiener on changes to the bill, and therefore they were recommending that people uh, say no. And, again, it's extremely and- rare um, for our sort of rank-and-file committee members to sort of buck that, uh, process. Yeah, no we're rolling the chair.
0: Rolling the chair is a is a rare event. And also yeah. to add to that, I don't know if you if you roll a vice chair um or I don't I don't think that terminology applies, but right. I you know, I had heard so there was a discussion especially, you know, as uh kind of democratic opposition in this committee hardened a little bit on this, that, OK, yeah. they're going to need Republican votes to get this through. Right. And it became apparent that the vice chair of the committee, at least from what I heard, Anthony Canella Republican from Ceres, which is in the Central Valley, who is a moderate Republican. Right. Very much so. Much yep. to the uh, dissatisfaction of. Um, His some more, Corkins, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, was against the bill. So you'd you'd have Democrats voting against their committee leadership and Republicans voting against their committee leadership in order for this thing to pass. Um, so as we kind of watched legislators basically tell Wiener how much they like him and like their bill, and then vote against it, one by one, we saw the dominoes fall. And then once we got to, you want to skip to um, Kathleen Galgiani?
1: Yeah, Kathleen Galgiani of, uh, of Stockton area. And once it was clear that she said and it, it, she said she wasn't going to vote so, for it. And, and it, indeed, she didn't, she didn't. She didn't vote at all. not um, And yes. voting at all. But uh, once once she got once we got to her and it was it was a no yes vote if you will. Um. It was pretty clear the bill was bill was dead. Yes. Before, before we sort of leave the nuts and bolts here, it is interesting to note that the the end of the day, so it's got four yes votes and even yes. seven to advance, right? Yes. And so you had as many as many Republicans vote for this. Um. You know, yes. Ted Gaines and, and, and Mike Morell were two two of the Republican senators voted for this as Democrats. And the, all the Democrats that, that, that voted for it were Weiner himself um, and then Senator Nancy Skinner of Berkeley, who was a co-author of the yes um, so Weiner really wasn't able to get anybody um, that he hadn't gotten on really day one from his party yes. um, to say yes, and that's not really uh, common yes. you know and we could sort of segue into what was unexpected about this, but you know the fact that i mean it's almost it's almost a guarantee that Democratic legislators give deference to other Democratic to, legislators to get their bill out of their first committee hearing. And, I mean, this was a complete and total shutdown of that, right? There was no deference given. Um, and he was, you know, he, was, he didn't even get to advance to the following week. And, and uh, again, that's not something that happens um, that, yeah, or, that, or it, that is extremely common in the legislature.
0: I mean, wouldn't you say, though, that it's, it's a bit more probable for controversial bills like this? I mean
1: it's well, I don't know I mean, I think you find in a lot of cases you find maybe bills that don't um that don't uh uh sort of um, make it to a hearing itself. you'll have a lot of yes. ideas that are put out there, and then the lawmakers sort of seeing the writing on the wall will pull the bill before the hearing uh, rather than face a you know a you know a negative vote uh, in that first hearing um, but I think in this case, given what um sort of the national attention on this bill, and I think that we mentioned this earlier in earlier podcasts, you know, it was really tough to find a way to sort of die quietly. There had to have an event, you know. Um, and so the idea of Wiener sort of pulling it, exactly. uh, particularly after the all the attention that, that it got, I, you know, I don't think would have, you know, would have sort of fit uh, where we were with this.
0: What else qualifies for you as um, unexpected that, that came out of this hearing?
1: Well, I think we talked a lot of before about the fact that, you know, um, uh, the amount of attention this got, you know, and, and so that was certainly unexpected in the context of like, you know, we, we, were sort of, we almost felt like we were, debate, we were at a point where we were debating whether the bill was sort of done or not or close to being done. And at this point in the process, very few bills actually are close to being done, right? Mm-hmm. So the part of the reason why things are advanced uh, among Democrats is so that there's more time given to work things out, right? Whatever challenges there are with particular interest groups. And that that wasn't, that wasn't given here. That was just, well, we, were, we see this as too far away, so or was we ever that, feel like we could get to. So and that what, was the end.
0: Was that, I mean, was that fair to Weiner and
1: the sponsor of the bill? I I don't I don't know I mean you look at some of the opposition and I mean this is a, this is a good segue into this and you have sort of had a good point about uh, I think you put it on, on Twitter about sort of the interest groups that you're going to take on here right um, yes uh, and and whether you can pass something over there over there over, over the dis- disapproval well, or not I, um,
0: I think I think some of the implication of, of what you just said is that the opposition to this was might have been premature. And so I, you know, that's why I'm pressing you on it.
1: Well, well, okay. So let's 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 just sort of go at it, let's, right? So let's it, do
0: it. Let's. Yeah. Do you want to go through
1: why yeah, this so bill failed? Yeah. So I think there's sort of four areas here, right? Um, yes. So you have um, cities and counties, local governments, right? And um, uh, unimaginable to, to think that something that would significantly take their power away like this, they would ever support. This was a right. given,
0: yes. It, so, they were going to have to go through the cities and
1: counties no matter what. There was what. no version of this bill that cities and counties were going to support. And, and again,
0: yeah. important to remind, you know, surprisingly, it's not all complete capital housing walk nerds that listen to this, which is great. We love yeah. your run-of-the-mill folks who are yeah. actually doing dishes while listening to us. So the cities and counties, I think when a lot of people picture – interest groups in Sacramento, it's the labor unions and oil companies. Like Those are the two things that pop up. Cities and counties are incredibly, incredibly powerful, which is part of the reason it's been so hard to pass um, legislation like 827, right? So this is not a pushover. This is a very powerful interest group that they knew they were going to have to get through to get this bill done. So that's category one.
1: Category one, so that was in that was an immovable object. You had to sort of yes. go through them, and in any version of this bill, second yes. was environmentalists, right? And so I think, and which are also very powerful at the Capitol. I think the the split that you, we ended up seeing um, between sort of their sort of, sort of older style environmental groups, such as the Sierra Club, which were opposed to this, which didn't doesn't traditionally like the idea of sort of building as a, as, a, as a solution to environmental problems, right? They sort of seemed as building as kind of a problem in, in, in environmentalism. Yeah. Um, they, they were going to be opposed, and it was unlikely that they sorts of groups were going to be – were, were ever going to be swayed. And so folks like Wiener were counting on sort of different kind of environmental groups, such as the Natural Resources Defense Council, which did end up coming out in yeah. support of the bill to kind of overwhelm – those sort of old-line or, or or environmental groups that were that were opposed, how, well, how, the argument being that building in, well, in sort of transit areas are is is good for the climate and good for good for the environment. Yeah, but
0: how much like overall do you think that environmental split played into the outcome of the bill? I, I no, mean, do you think do you think that would not, be, a lot, yeah, not a lot? Not a lot because I don't, think I don't so either. Uh,
1: because again I, I think that was entirely foreseeable, predictable, and something that would be happening no matter no matter what version of the bill you sort of had. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so the let, third um, is labor. Yes, um, let's talk and, about this. Yeah. So the, the you know the state building and construction trades um, is, in my view, and I've said this a bunch of times, the most powerful interest group when it comes to um, housing in the state. They represent construction workers, um, and so when they don't like something, uh, they generally tend to get their way, and when they like something, they also tend to get their way. And so um, they uh, were instrumental in killing. Um, two years ago, uh, Governor Jerry Brown's proposal to allow for sort of uh, approvals without delay on on projects that met uh, uh, underlying zoning and conditions. Let's, let's take um, a step and, back
0: and right there and let's explain what because I think this confuses a lot of people. Yeah. Why uh, construction unions don't want speedy approval of new projects? What what is the benefit for them for having what's known as discretionary review
1: so the benefit for them is that is that through the discretionary review process they can work to negotiate um union wage rules um and union um, hiring standards and so if that's taken away then their lever um also goes away yes i mean it's pretty simple right well Um, i mean
0: yeah. yeah i mean uh that is a a Incontrovertible uh, fact for those of us who are in this crap every day, Liam. But like yes. to, to to an outsider, though, you know, it's like, oh, why don't the construction trades want more building? They make yes. more building means more money. Exactly. So I, I think that point needs to be made. Anyway, oh, continue. Yes. No,
1: no, I agree. Um, I agree. And and so anyway, continue. <laughs> so Brown's bill two years ago um didn't have a provision in there to allow for um union level um wages on uh, yes. the projects that would have qualified for this, and therefore. They were opposed, and Brown's rationale was: you know, you, you, you raise pay, that raises costs, and then people, developers, may not want to take advantage of this program that we're offering them. So, the the version of the bill that ended up passing um, last year, that was also from Senator Weiner, uh, Senate Bill 35, uh, included um, union-level wage rules, and and the, and the construction workers' union ended up being in support of the of uh, of the bill.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk about this right now. I think there is more reporting to do on this um, than has been done. I think I think labor's opposition to this needs to be fleshed out a little more. I I certainly don't have all the answers to it. So tell me what you know about um, prevailing wage um, and labor's general opposition to this bill.
1: Yeah. So when we talk about – when we say prevailing wage is another – is sort of the technical term for union-level sure. um, union level wages, and, and, and we discussed this on, in, in detail on our, our last podcast, yes. right, on the labor shortage. Yes, and with, so, with the help uh, of
0: and, uh, lots of spreadsheets and uh, riveting pivot tables.
1: Yes. So in, in, in this case, there were no labor provisions in there at all, um, and I think the initial rationale from – Senator Weiner was, well, look, this bill it deals with zoning, not actual project approval. And so any project approval rules you have, whether it's using SB 35, um, which, again, guarantees union-level wages, or um, whatever approval, approval process exists in a city already, that's not changed. So all the levers that you had, this doesn't change any of your levers. Um, and I think, though, um, the, the building trades, the construction workers union says, look, Anytime there's a major change in the housing um, approval process or planning process, we want to be involved um, and we want to have um, to make sure that our workers are protected um, in that process. And so mm-hmm. there was nothing in there. Now, um, they wrote a letter basically saying, we're willing to work with you exactly. on this, Senator Weiner. Um, but when it came time for sort of the chief opponents to get up and say, we're the principal opponents to this measure, you had a representative of the building trades um, at the table. Yep. And so that level of opposition a bit contrary to what their initial letter um, might have said on this. So, so I don't know um, the sort of the the, the, the level under which um, yeah. sort of labor's uh, opposition sort of changed or shifted throughout this process. Mm-hmm. But once they were on the table opposing it, it sort of it has to take kind of uh, uh, almost an act of God um, for you know for them to sort of uh, <laughs> overcome that. And and I say that sort of half jokingly because. We could talk about this you know, briefly. Uh, uh, you know, there was a really so, tight moment for Senate, and Senate Bill 35. This is the one that passed last year in Senator McGuire's committee. Remember, these bills have to go through generally the same committees where labor stood up and was, and was opposed. Um, and there was a, an intervention from the governor's office last year yes. that basically told labor to stand down. You'll get dealt with. Let this bill through and we'll work with you yes. right, throughout the process. And that's exactly what happened. And in this case, um, I could tell you from my reporting, there was no sort of uh, involvement from the governor's office on this legislation. No. And without that, you know, labor played a big role in this in this legislation going down.
0: Yes. And that should not be understated. When, when people compare this either fairly or unfairly to SB 35, which was uh, did we explain this already, which was the bill last year that um, was part of the housing package um, that did fast track uh, development for. Um, for projects in cities that weren't meeting their their housing production goals, right? Um, it, it should not be underplayed how important the governor's um role in that was. There's and, a but there's a bunch of other key differences. Um, both I guess politically and policy wise between the bills. Yeah. Um, but you know the one one thing had the governor's support, the the other didn't. That makes a huge huge difference. Uh, th- Correct. The other thing I want to get to is. You know, labor had also brought up some concerns about um, the wording of the bill itself when it comes to ministerial approval of projects, and, and what that means is projects being approved without review. Um, and there seemed to, you know, I I I am not. A lawyer. Um, I am not an expert in how bill language needs to be crafted, but I know no. that was one of the complaints was that there seemed to be, from labor's perspective, some ambiguity in whether this bill could be exploited to fast track um, developments without discretionary review,
1: without CEQA. So and, and, and so, and maybe it could, maybe it couldn't. But typically, those sorts of things get ironed it, out. It, it, Yeah, Yeah, if if Labor believes that everyone's acting in good faith, then, you know, you can There's plenty of time down the road until the end of August when these bills have to pass. Exactly. There there are sorts of details to get ironed out. Exactly. Um, And, and, you know, and again, that's what happened last year, right? Labor was not satisfied, and they ended up being satisfied and being big supporters of the bill to the point that, you know, Robbie Hunter, uh, who's the head of the uh, Construction Workers Union, gets up. Uh, at the press conference uh, last year, where they announced the whole housing package, and he's one of the very, very, very few non-governmental speakers in the panoply of uh, speakers, um, and you know, sort of celebrating the signing of the housing package. Yes, you are exactly right. That those,
0: if there is, if there is simply ambiguity in the language, fixing that doesn't, wouldn't seem to be a a huge deal, right? Yeah. So they I don't, it's it's tough for me to to know what to make of that.
1: I don't know. Yeah. So, I yeah. don't know. So, th- th- just to finish our sort of thought in terms of the terms of the groups, you yeah. know, uh, so we have, again, we, to recap a little bit, we have the cities and counties, which we knew were always going to be opposed to this, and certainly the leaders or people trying to push this bill knew that they were going to push it but no matter what, right? Yeah. Then you have the environmental groups whose opposition and support were j- generally predictable, right? You had labor, who I imagine you thought was going to be a player because they're always a player, and you figured, I imagine, that you would have had to deal with them one way or the other throughout this process. There was the, sort of the fourth setting that I think to me throughout this entire process has been the most interesting, which is sort of groups that, uh, that are uh, sort, of, uh, sort of equity advocates, those who advocate for low-income Californians, low-income renters and tenants. Um, and, you know, this, the sponsors of this bill, um, Senator Weiner and, and, and others, uh, stood up and argued time and again that this bill was good for low-income Californians and good for communities of color in the state. And it became, as I've said this before, increasingly difficult for them to be able to make that claim when you had very, very, very few groups, um, rep- or really a handful of groups representing those, uh, those folks, standing up and saying, this helps me right? Um, yes. and, and you had a so, lot more groups that were really vocal, um, r- you know, representing uh, low-income renters and and, and, and communities of color saying, this will hurt us. This will actively hurt us and make things worse. Um, and so that dynamic, I think you had a little bit of last year but uh, with Senate Bill 35, but nowhere near the dynamic that you had this year, which I think in many ways overwhelmed the conversation. And that's, And those are... Su- Folks, that if you wanted this kind of bill to pass, to get over the humps that you were going to have with cities um, and counties, and to get over sort of the split you're going to have in the environmental groups, um, that you have to have them on your side. Particularly if you're claiming this is helpful for them, um, and that didn't—it just didn't happen. And, and I think that, if um, uh, really, to me, told, told, told a really important tale about the kind of. Uh, coalitions you need to build to have uh, to have um, legislation like this ever move forward.
0: And let's I think it's worthwhile to briefly go through some of the amendments that were made to try to satisfy some of those groups um, and kind of get your take and my take on whether those amendments were were satisfactory. I mean, like the so let's let, let's let's go through them. Let's go through them real quickly. So they ended up originally the bill did not have any type of inclusionary provision in it whatsoever. And, and by inclusionary provision, I mean a set aside specifically for affordable units. So if you were going to um, invoke SB 827 to build your uh, five story high apartment building, uh, initially was eight to eight to ten stories high.
1: No, it was it was, it was five to eight. Sorry. Actually. Well,
0: yeah. it depends uh-huh. if they got the uh, uh, additional density bonus or not. Actually, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yes. But anyway. Uh, so um, uh, originally, none of those had to be set aside for either very low income individuals uh, or you know moderate moderate income individuals. Um,
1: with an, But with an important caveat is that if a city it, such if, as Los exactly. Angeles or San Francisco already had those policies, you would have still have had to abide by them.
0: Exactly. And many major cities do and Correct. some major cities don't. Wiener put in amendments uh, that would require um, a certain percentage of these units be reserved for affordable housing. Uh, importantly, from what I heard from affordable housing advocates, was that the way the amendments were structured – um you you could build a unit under 820 or a, a building under 827 and only have to give a certain percentage to moderately incomeed individuals not very low income or right. low income i should say mm-hmm. families not yeah it could be families or individuals whatever and it it is true that like you know if you're 80% to 120% of area median income which is the definition for these um that that can in some areas that can
1: that income level would be fairly high. Right. I mean it's like like 100 over 100 grand for certain families. Yes. And, yeah.
0: And and the argument is well it's incredibly expensive typically to live in those places. And right. I think that's a fair argument. But right. that was the affordable housing advocates um at least rationale for the insufficiency of These amendments, and so I just want to get your take. Like, what what do you make of that opposition?
1: Um, I think I think um, I think is to to be honest, um, entirely well founded on a number of fronts. Um, One, the sort of the there's sort of the the trust front, uh, which is that there was you know as we explored on the earlier podcast, there was little to no outreach to these sorts of groups prior to the introduction of the bill. Well, that's Um,
0: that's one thing, but like. That, that doesn't have to do with the substance of the amendments, though, well, right?
1: R- r- right, but, but I think that that colors the entire um, conversation, right? If you have a group that's sort of part of drafting um, what the bill is going to be, then then they feel like they're a part of it. And if they don't feel like they're a part of it, then whatever you may throw at the situation, whether or not it's practical um, or, or, or not, doesn't may not stick. And I think certainly part oh, of I what think, happened here it, was, I, was, was, was that. Um, I, I think, though, to sort of the, the sort of the more practical point, um, there is a lot of I think rightful concern about what might happen. It, it, you know, and we had a, a large discussion again, one of the prior podcasts, about what might happen to land values if yes. you have a, a tremendous amount of upzoning um, or increasing density. Like this bill would provide, yes. but I don't, I don't think the issue is settled. Um, that this would, you know, uh, have resulted in, in lower land values. Certainly, um, that would have, you know, allowed for a lot, you know, a lot more cheaper building. There are certainly significant concerns that are supported by studies um, that have shown that when you do increase um, some building near transit, it, it, you know, you you make it easier for rich people to move in, um, yes. and and that may then then may force poor people out. That. Can and should be troubling for groups that represent, um, you know, low-income um, Californians, particularly as they're already facing um, substantial pressures. And so, um, a lot of concern that that that, uh, and I think again, certainly um, um, supported by some evidence that um, you could, you know, you could see that, uh, you know, happening on a on a larger scale.
0: Um, I think this is good. I think I think we're doing pretty well so far. What do you think? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we're talking for a while um but... i know i can't
0: well this is um th- this might be our last opportunity to talk about 827 for at least a a I don't than know than a fortnight
1: longer well, longer than a fortnight certainly
0: longer than a fortnight, uh, than a fortnight. <laughs> so that that's yeah. actually a good segue um yeah. it, it, where where does this go from now so uh senator Weiner um during the hearing uh i think right before the vote when it was abundantly clear that this thing uh, wasn't going to pass um, because yeah. of uh, what legislators had said, vowed that this was not going to be the end of this type of legislation, that this would be coming back in one form or another. And multiple legislators, including um, uh, Jim Bell, who Liam previously referenced, the, the chair of the committee, um, you know, expressed a willingness to work on something like this. First, let, let's actually start really, really simply. Is there any chance that this gets resurfaced this year?
1: Uh, I'd say almost entirely not. Yeah, almost I agree.
0: Yeah. yes. Yeah. So So uh, hopes for what's called like a gut and amend, or anything like this bill is just like way too controversial for that type of thing.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, I think there's almost no chance of it happening again this year. Never yeah. say never, though. Right. <laughs> so, so, so two points to your question. One, I think it's worth noting that it often takes very many years for um, certain policy um, to pass. Um, that is particularly high profile or sweeping or whatever sort of big adjectives you want, you want to use. Yes. Um, and so it is not, again, not uncommon for a bill to, to fail one, two, three, four times uh, before you sort of reach the consensus that you need to actually get it through or, or the dynamics change or an event occurs or something to get something across the finish line that you, um, that you sort of um, propels um, sort of big ideas Forward, right. Yes. So that's that's one. So that, in that sense, it's not necessarily surprising that this sort of this sort of big idea fell on its first fell on its face um, in its first chance. Second, I think it's really important to note that um, the underlying dynamics here aren't. Changing. I mean, you. You know, we so, have by all um, sort of um, uh, available evidence, or, or or sort of the consensus among experts, is that we have an extreme housing shortage in the state, right? And similarly, um, you have um, uh, uh, a, a very difficult time to imagine how the state's going to meet its climate change goals in 2030, and that's going to require um, sort of building in transit and near transit corridors and not building in sprawl or in, in sort of. Oh, out in the sorry. Field.
0: I thought it, I thought actually you were going in a different. Direction. So what you're saying is the underlying structural dynamics of the problem favor 827, something like 827 in the long run. That's the what you're under, saying. The,
1: I mean, if you wa- I mean, it's abundantly clear based on the the research that's out there that in order to try to solve both the state's housing and environmental problems, not necessarily 827. I'm, please, I'm not saying that, but something like that uh, encourages Dense a lot of around building around near transit has to happen, or, sorry, or the state's the not gonna not gonna meet its environmental goals and is and is going to continue to face. A a shortage of housing, which is yeah. going to lead to high prices, and so something has to happen in those areas, or else you're you're going to fail. Um, and so again, it was abundantly clear, that eight twenty-seven wasn't the right way to do it, um, or that particular or, or legislation wasn't the right way to do it. But something that addresses those sort of twin problems um, has to occur, or else we're not going to uh, be able to overcome them as a state.
0: Um, what provisions in eight twenty-seven? Do you, do you see in the next incarnation of Eight Twenty Seven not being there anymore?
1: I what, what, think, what do you think I, is I, like
0: the Wieners? Wieners people are like, yeah, we ain't trying to do this anymore.
1: So I, I think we're not going to see anything about bus stops anymore. Um, uh, I, you know, I think interesting. That, you know, I think that was very clear that that was something that uh, Jim Bell yes. Senator, really didn't so, like, and I think also is is kind of. prep-prop-prop-prop-prop, problematic from a practical perspective um, uh, in the sense that like you could have sort of shifting bus routes and you sort of it's just a, it's a much 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 weirder sort of thing than like uh, like a train is you know um, <laughs> uh, and I think I think you it's weirder. Weirdly, and Dylan, buses are weirder than trains. 20... No, no, no. I love buses. Buses are the best. But like, uh, what I mean is that like, it's it's less of a fixed sort of idea. It's less of a fixed <laughs> sort of you know sort of thing where you where you oh, um, I don't know what want to necessarily prioritize um, having you know a sort of permanent um, changes to the landscape uh, uh, that you would have.
0: All that uh, people are hearing right now is your disdain for buses, which we should explain. You're in LA right now, so maybe that's what's wearing off on you.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. No, but buses, I'm I mean, from LA. I can yeah. say that.
0: You can't say that.
1: I am not saying. I'm not saying anything about LA other than no. the uh, other than other the weather. Other than the disdain for buses, right now. Now. That, um, so, so, Go ahead. So, yeah. So I mean, I, I think my point's being being lost in my in my inability to explain it. Um, but I think I think I think buses um, that's going to be out. Right? Interesting. Um, okay. Single family homes.
0: Single family homes.
1: You know, it's a good, sure, really good question. I think you can kind of go either way. On, on this and it was interesting sort of to see the contrast in the in the hearing. I mean I think there was some appetite in the hearing for that, for they not to touch single-family homes, um, and instead to sort of focus on the A-16 commercial corridors that are already around, which typically aren't next to single-family homes, right? And so, you know, and sort of vacant lots around there, parking lots, or things like that, where presumably you get sort of less opposition uh, uh, to this. And so that's one way you could go in a more narrow way. Another idea, though, is that, like, the idea its a bit more purist uh, for, for for two perspectives. One is that you know, single-family zoning is, a, is anathema to, um, you know, uh, sort of the climate situation, right? And so um, if you, you want to have a, this sort of fixed um, rail line, uh, then you really can't, from climate uh, purposes, have a lot of single-family zoning around that. And so um, I think from the environmental perspective, it's sort of hard to make that argument. Second, there was a lot of debate, you know, about exclusionary zoning and, and zoning that keeps people out and single-family zoning used, particularly when in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, to sort of be a way to, to keep white people um, in a sort of wealthier situations and help them build their wealth at the exclusion to everybody else. And so um, that's, and we're still dealing with the effects of that um, today, no question. Um, and so. You know, if you want to have uh, do things that that sort of uh, break some of those down, those barriers, it's tough to argue that you can't touch single family zoning at all. Um, I think
0: I think we should probably start wrapping up because we we've been that we planned on this being twenty minutes, and this thing's going to end up being like forty minutes. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> but it's been good. This has been fun. I'm yeah. so, I'm kind of sad that how how hard was it for you not to when they were. Um, doing public comment for you to get up and say on behalf of all housing reporters please let this get out of committee so we can continue you to keep write keep about writing this about it right yes. exactly
1: exactly yeah i mean I, you know it's good i mean it was i think it did start a, a sort of a conversation that, that i mean the state is needed to have well let me um, before you get into yeah. it let let me set yeah. you up yeah. parting
0: thoughts on 827 from the one and only Liam Dillon <laughs> so sum it um, up for us
1: yeah i think what should we I think, think- Tell I me think, what to think yes, tell me what so, to think yes uh, I'm trying You're tell not me what to um, think. think so so um this is, this is it is the beginning of a conversation that I think third, to my earlier point um if we want to solve the problems that we have in the state um you know we sort of you know need to need to address um in a in a comprehensive way, and so I think this was a, sort of the first real um uh mechanism with T that that tried to do that um and so we'll see how that um. Pushes things are not going forward. The second is that, um, you know, I, I, think, I think the supporters of this um, learned a lot about, um, or should have if they didn't, um, uh, the sort of the need to enroll and ensure that those who are um, lesser off in California need to have a say or, in many ways, these say in how policies like this get designed. Um, and without support uh, uh, from um, people representing them and, and those communities, um, you know, you, you sort of can't, can't, and in many ways probably shouldn't um, be able to pass le- such wide-ranging legislation like this. So the second thing I think is that the, the, whatever solution ends up happening here, or any, any sort of idea that ends up uh, attacking this problem again, there's going to have to be uh, at some level uh, uh, of the conversation, you know, a bit more buy-in or uh, driven rather, uh, maybe instead um, by low-income communities of color um, and groups representing them. I think, as we sort of talked about earlier. Um, there's going to be natural, a lot of natural opposition to this um, idea, and, and unless and until you have certain groups um, saying, yes, this will help me, uh, it's going to be very hard for that, for that kind of legislation to move forward. So I think we, we may see changes or, 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 or efforts um, in, that, in that direction.
0: I just, I just have two quick things to add to that, um, the, the, the Matt epilogue to the Liam uh, analytical tome. They, as you referenced, there's a bunch of other bills here. Uh, that are that will housing bills that will continue to make their way through the Capitol. Um, You know, part of the reason why the housing package worked last year was because it was a package, right? Because certain interest groups either supported or withheld opposition um, in many instances to maybe parts of uh, the package that they didn't like because there were other bills that they liked in this package. Right. So perhaps coupling something, that gets at the goals of 827 with other things like tenant protections, like money, uh, like yeah, exactly, maybe even some of that redevelopment money that people have, have been talking about um, uh, that that is, I don't know something to look out for in the future
1: um, Sure, right. and again, and, and to your point, I mean, we talked about two principal issues being a housing shortage Why don't shortage. you just let
0: the point lie? Why don't you yeah, just let well, the point lie? Yeah, that's Just, Why, yes, just give it's, me a conclusive final say
1: Let's just end it, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, go go ahead Liam. Well, I was just going to say that like the two principal issues uh principal two of the principal issues being the housing shortage and the environmental concerns and then you just brought up two other ones uh which is uh you know everyone uh, again the best available experts suggest that we were uh, a lot of money short of what we need to do in the state to ensure that there's enough uh, low-cost housing or reasonably-cost housing for um, for the poorest among us, um, uh, and that includes with respect to the homelessness uh, crisis that we're also in in the state. And then the other point about um, doing things that make it uh, 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 you know, add protections for those who are at, sort of at risk of, of losing their homes or being forced out of uh, of certain communities where they where they've been for a while. Um, and I think that those are two other planks here um, that, again, uh, most experts are, you know believe the state needs, needs to do a better job of taking care of. All right, um, we promise that there will
0: still be interesting housing topics to talk about over the next over the next few months. So please, if you if you join us to follow eight twenty seven. Um, you, there will be other value add that we will bring to the housing debate. Liam will probably sing again. Um That's I'll right. promise that. Um yeah. So, are there any other like party tricks that you, audio party tricks that you'd be willing to well, promise I'm, our I'm listeners? Good, I'm good.
1: I'm good, at, I'm good at puns too. So you know. No, our, I would say good. Value add, could be I, I would say good by our audience. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. On on that note, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thank you.